It was such a joy to catch up with Laura Shubra from Marvelous Midlife and the recently launched Menopause Hive. Laura is an inspiration to women who come up against challenges and situations in midlife where they are questioning how they want to live their third stage. We discuss the effects of anxiety, reaching for the bottle, relationship changes, and ultimately the opportunity to live the life you truly want for yourself. And welcoming to the podcast, Sexy Aging Today, all the way from France, we have Laura Shuckborough. Welcome. <laughs> oh, hello, hello, hello. Hello, it's so good to have you, Laura. And we've connected because we are having these conversations with women every day around what does it mean to um, live in midlife and the changes that come with that. And you've actually got an online coaching forum called Marvelous Midlife. I mean, how, how could you forget that? And it's very, very positive in its take. So that caught my eye. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about that today. You are an NLP practitioner and you're all, you've also trained in hypnotherapy. So two really important skills that help people um, reframe their mindset so that if there are any hurdles that they come up against, that you can help them work through the hurdles and the challenges so that they can get move forward in their best life. And for us, it's the third stage. So I'd just like to... Um, give you the stage, Laura, to tell us your story. Like a couple of questions. Um, how did you come to put together your online coaching forum? And how are you living in France? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so two very big questions there. So thanks so much for having me today, Tracy. I, I love the whole sexy aging thing. I think it's a really important topic and um, I'm really happy to be here chatting about it. So to answer your two questions, I suppose, the first one is about my Marvellous Midlife Forum. I think the reason that that is kind of, and it has organically grown, is because when I went into perimenopause four years ago, I really, really struggled and I had no idea what was happening to me at all. Um, thought that I was going crazy, literally thought I was going crazy. Um, and even thought I had dementia actually and is this a good time to just go into that like kind of like the whole the like the perimenopause story because I think it's really important because I was never taught anything about it I don't know about you when I was younger I I knew nothing I knew about menopause but when I started having perimenopause symptoms I'd never heard that word yeah same I actually had to dive into uh, google like dr google what the heck's going on with me um, so yeah, but what's really interesting, and I know you're going to keep sharing the perimenopause thing, but it is really interesting. I've spoken to a couple of people that our teenagers, my daughter, 16, she has the understanding of puberty and perimenopause right now. So that's really exciting for them. But for us, crickets. <laughs> yeah, crickets. I love that. Yeah, crickets indeed. And it's so basically we would, you know, it's like one of the major life things or life transitions that we're going to go through as women. And yet we're taught nothing about it. So I just kind of like I got sort of hit by this. I suppose it gradually crept up on me perimenopause because I didn't realize I was getting more and more anxious and I lost my confidence and um, just got to a stage when I even I remember one day I just I woke up and I, I couldn't even I looked in the wardrobe to get dressed at the time I was working in a very busy architecture practice that I ran with my husband and I couldn't even 
I couldn't even decide what to wear in the wardrobe and I just burst into tears and got back into bed. And it was just, it was a gradual, I used to have very bad PMT as well. Um, and I, and I realized that I was having it pretty much all the time. It wasn't just, you know, the times a week before my period, it was pretty much all the time. And I was still having regular periods, which I think is the thing is that because I was still having regular periods, I didn't associate it with menopause. And I also thought another thing I thought was too young. You know, I think we all feel quite vibrant and, and, you know, you just think you're too young to be going through menopause because when you're younger, you're, it's the it feels like it's something that older people go through and when you get to our age you don't feel old do you you feel no not old. at all not at all um that's really interesting that you say that because yeah I'm 51 and I apart from the symptoms that have hindered me physically which I've managed to deal with <laughs> both um holistically and through HRT so I do both um but until I took HRT, I felt like a really old lady. But in my head and my heart, I was so vibrant. I was so creative, probably like yourself, had so much to offer and help, want to help other people. So that never slowed down, that, that concept of wanting to provide purpose for other people. But the physical stuff, is a, it's really tough. And so how old were you when you first kind of realized that the word perimenopause matched what you were experiencing? I was 47 and I'm now 52. So, I mean, it's been, what's the project for now? 53. Yeah. So it's been, it's well, maybe 47, 48. And yeah. that's when yeah. I realized. And, and I, and I thought I, I got to a stage when I couldn't even go out because I felt so, my confidence was so low. And the idea of actually socializing with anybody and meeting anybody in the street, I remember panicking thinking if I meet somebody in the street today, I don't think I've got, I don't think I have the, the brain power to even make a conversation with them. You know, it was yeah. just awful. Yeah. It was dreadful. And another terrible one thing that I got with it was um, driving anxiety. Now, Oh, my gosh. I've heard about that. Yeah. It's awful. You know, it's just I was very confident driving to drive around all over the country before. And then I got it and I started having panic attacks at the wheel, like on the motorway. The most hideous stuff. And, I, and now I've look, looked into that. That is a symptom of it as well. So so anyway, mm. so that's how I kind of went into it. And, and similarly to you, I'm now managing mine holistically, which I believe is like the best approach for me. And I think every woman's journey is very unique. So you've got to find the best approach. But I do believe that it's not one thing that helps at this stage. Yeah. It's a holistic whole body thing <laughs> and whatever that is for you. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think that's what makes it really challenging for women to figure out because because everyone is so different and out of the 34 symptoms, everyone's going to tick a whole lot of different things. So they're, they're going to be able to just compare. Oh, did you get this? No. Did you get that? Yeah. But because of all the differences in symptoms, that means that your approach is quite different. You know, some people will lean a little bit more towards the natural side and go, you know what, I'm, my symptoms aren't so bad. I can, I can manage this. I'm not interested in looking at anything further. And then there is there are other people that it's so dilapidating. Don't it's just it they become so dysfunctional with their daily living as a mom, as a work colleague, as a wife, as a friend that they HRT is a godsend for a lot of women. So I think that's where you know between you and I we we can say well you really got to do what's right for you. You right definitely. And I, yeah. I think that I was at the similar stage. I wanted to try and manage mine naturally because I'd heard all the hideous, you know, um, scaremongering um, of, of a few years ago, of 20 years ago. I didn't really want to take HRT, but my symptoms were so debilitating that when I started doing my own research, 
and looking into it, I thought, well, actually, I think I'm going to have to try it because I tried all the supplements and, and that didn't really work for me. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I think when you start doing your own research, you realise that HRT is nowhere near as um, dangerous as you, you once <laughs> thought. And the yeah. risk factors are much lower. And I actually realised that having two glasses of wine a night was more of a risk factor to my chances of getting breast cancer than HRT. So I just thought it's worth giving this a go. And it's yeah, it's crazy, like, right? Crazy. So, yeah, because I know most people, and and particularly with perimenopausal and menopausal women, they do turn to alcohol, and it's not it's not a cultural thing. I think it is. They do turn to alcohol because they're feeling so isolated and so misunderstood, and they're looking for something that they know through the years. If they do drink, if that's something that they've always done. That, they, that that actually does make them feel a little bit better even if it is only for an hour and then it's going to mess up their sleep and it's going to mess up their weight gain it's going to mess up all those things but for that one to two hours before bedtime or whatever they have a bit of reprieve yeah, but definitely. you know but then yeah the long-term <laughs> the long-term um odds of getting breast cancer increase with that versus hrt how ironic <laughs> alcohol things really fascinating though because I was doing that I was kind of it's almost like you can self-soothe a bit sometimes with a couple of glasses of wine and if you enjoy it and and yeah. I always enjoyed having a drink but then I realized that that was actually making my symptoms worse for sure and also with me because my major symptom was was anxiety I realized that when I was drinking in the evenings and so and, and I when I was this year when I was going through what I went through coming over here which we'll talk about um I was drinking more I was drinking daily and I yeah. realized that yeah. the next morning it was making me get this kind of low level anxiety you know like waking up feeling kind of out of sorts before the days even started so I actually had a period this year when I had four months of being sober yeah and that was very um interesting for me first time in my life that I'd done that yeah so so I so my perimenopause journey basically a long to cut a long story short the reason I set up my marvelous midlife was because I didn't want any woman to suffer like I'd suffered and I wanted to start helping and educating and four years ago there was even less education than there is now it's it you know I've seen how much it's great gained in ground you know and people so many more people like us who are positive in this subject but there wasn't really so much of it then for even four years ago. So that's why I did it. And that combined with my coaching, finding coaching and my love of how powerful that is. And the combination of the two is quite powerful. That's so cool to hear. And um, so you've got Marvelous Midlife, your, your site, and you are doing that from France. <laughs> yes, how did, now. yeah yeah so how did you come to be where you are today like there's you've got obviously two parts to the story and I've kind of put it out there if you're happy to talk about it um because I think that one of the things that that most midlife women come up against personally I did as well was a questioning of what am I supposed to be doing am I in the right place with the right people am I still valid here what is my purpose? And have I got imposter syndrome? <laughs> you know, like all those questions that sort of make you take a bit of a direction turn to head towards a life that feels just so right and authentic. So you've got quite a story. <laughs> I've got quite a story. Well, well through, through perimenopause, 
and I don't know whether it was just perimenopause. I think it just made it all come to the surface because I think what happens in midlife, I don't know whether you can relate to this, is everything that's going on inside of us. And I, I'll say I'll speak from my own point of view because I can't speak for everybody else. But everything that was going on with me kept coming up, like bubbling up and wanting to be heard like it was like a little whisper. I wasn't happy in my marriage and this little whisper kept sort of coming up and speaking to me every month or whenever it was. But it was almost like I wasn't listening enough. I was just thinking, oh, well, you should be happy. You know, you've got a lovely life with your husband and you've got you living in a nice house. And, you know, I, I was trying to think of all the things I was grateful for. But eventually this little voice kind of became a scream. And it, I just could not not listen to my body and myself and, and what was true to me any longer. And last year... My husband and I um, decided to, to, to separate. And this was after sort of three or four years of looking at houses to buy in France. We, that was our dream, to come to France together. And, um, but I think almost now looking at it, it was more of my dream. It was, it was, you know, like looking back, I kind of realised that maybe he wasn't quite as into it as I was. But he was coming along because he loved me. But it was almost like it was I was forever forward thinking about stuff, you know, like being in France, because I think it was because I wasn't happy where I was. So I was always thinking about the future, which causes anxiety rather than living fully in the present moment, which is the only moment that we have. So so basically, I after we'd come back from a trip of, of house hunting over here last year, I just I remember sitting at the computer looking at the the houses after I'd looked at hundreds of thousands of houses Tracy after about about three years of looking and just thinking even if we go and live in the nicest house in the best area I'm still not going to be happy in this marriage and that was it and it was just it was just there I realized and I remember just leaving the office going upstairs crying and then just saying to him look I just can't do this anymore and then that was it and then within six weeks I'd left I'd gone I packed my car up with my dog, just one carload of stuff with my driving anxiety. And in that six weeks, I'd managed to find a spot in France and just like put a pin in the map and gone, oh, well, that looks all right. And I rented a house and just set off on this journey, you know, in the middle of COVID um, down to Portsmouth and then just drove right down to the south of France to Carcassonne, to this village where I knew no one and, and just got there and just like turned up and rented a house for three months. And that's it's amazing part of my journey to France and because I thought if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it if I get caught sort of caught up living in England and it's not where I want to be so yeah and so yeah so that was the so place. you're in France and how's that going now <laughs> like have you met people like you said you you went there you don't know anyone and so yeah how's it going on the daily life and then how's it going on the inside well, in the, on the daily life, it's it's brilliant. I mean, I'm not in the same place now. I stayed in that village for three months and, I, and then I got a stalker actually in the village, which was interesting. <laughs> interesting and a bit bloody scary when you're a woman on your own. So I moved away from the village. I went and then I drove to Mallorca to visit my mum for two months. And then I came back and, and I moved up to the Dordogne where I've got a friend and I started to live with my friend next to her. She's an old school friend. And I'm sort of in that same area now and it feels right. It feels lovely. Yeah. But I've also bought a camper van and I'm not staying here. I'm going to go and travel around in my motorhome. Oh, amazing. So, okay. So what's on the bucket list of places to visit? Ooh. <laughs> oh, 
oh gosh, the Alps, the Pyrenees. I want to go down into Spain and to Portugal in the winter. And I just want to kind of live and work from my motorhome because there's a couple of reasons. A, I can't afford to buy a house at the moment. I will do one day. And, and B, I don't know where I actually still want to settle. You know, I'm very curious. I've got this freedom now in my life at 52. Yeah. And I think I may as well just kind of t make the most of it. And even though it's really bloody scary sometimes being on my own and doing it, it fe I never regretted my decision ever. And um, yeah. I feel much happier and more content inside because, and the reason I think, I don't know whether you've have ever done like a values exercise. One of the things I do with my clients is, is look at their values, our core values. And if you're not living aligned with your core values, you're always going to be slightly out of sorts or discontent to a slight, you know, like just kind of, it's and, and I wasn't, my biggest value is, is, freedom values change but my biggest value is freedom and I wasn't living a life that had much freedom so now I am living um aligned with my values I feel so much happier yeah I'm actually just a little curious as to you know when women hear this episode what's going to happen <laughs> if there's going to be a little bit of a fallout and we're not taking any responsibility for that no, right we're not we're not taking no. any responsibility but I would always I, and I the thing is I am very much and I and I know that there might be a fallout from this because because when I've spoken about this before it sometimes resonates very deeply because so many people are living a life or living their lives in a, in the comfort of discomfort yeah because of because of the fear of, of stepping out of their comfort zone to get to the possibility of being happy to being truly happy yeah, you've got to be yeah. bold. There's a there's a kind of there's a step in the middle, which is this 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 kind of scary thing, you know, like it's almost yeah. like there's yeah. a, like a big I can imagine it's like a big pond or a big lake and you've got to get to the other side of that somehow. And if you're brave enough to go over. Then there's like this this other place that's happening. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 I, look, I know exactly what you're talking about, because I literally had that moment um, at the end of last year, right before moving to New Zealand. Yeah, well, I, I had a job in Malaysia and um, some people know that I've spoken of it before in a previous podcast that I was bringing my daughter back to New Zealand to go into boarding school for the last two years of her teenage years because she'd never lived in New Zealand. And, you know, we have our culture and we wanted her to have that experience. And when we got here and we were in managed isolation, even though we were still in a kind of lockdown environment, like really strict lockdown environment, I knew in my heart from my values and things like that, that I wouldn't be going back to Malaysia. And as it turns out, when you put that kind of thing out there, the universe aligns to make you move forward into the place that you're supposed to be. And so instead of moving back to Malaysia, I called my husband and I said, look, we're staying, so do what you need to do to get over here as well. <laughs> and so hence the reason we actually are living in New Zealand, but our furniture has not yet arrived. <laughs> so we're kind of similar situation to you. It's like we're, we're kind of squatting, actually, but it feels so good to not have all this stuff when you're making the significant change in your life, to not be blinded by all the stuff that was before to be in a place that's new and fresh and creating and doing things that you just 
when you wake up in the morning, you're just so freaking excited. You're so, so deeply happy. And you just, you don't have all the stuff, the comforts around you that you're used to, but being in the discomfort, but moving forward is the best life ever, right? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that that's what, mm. if people could just like embrace that, that, because I think if you, you almost need that kind of slight uncertainty sometimes or that friction in life, maybe it is a bit of fear for that. Ex- on the other side of that is excitement. You know, it's like, yeah. a, it's like, a, like, it's like a seesaw and you can't yeah. have one without the other. Otherwise everything flatlines a little bit. Well, it does for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm actually just thinking now about how many women may resonate with the conversation that we're just organically having. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just, I'm thinking of, and the fact that there are movies and stuff that have recently come out or, you know, movies like Shirley Valentine and stuff that address woman in midlife now often they frame woman in midlife as uh in a negative light um as in they don't really say that they're going through a hormonal change and that's why they are sad angry bitchy crying you know (laughs) they, they don't the movies don't really portray that but what they do is they portray a midlife woman who's forgetful a bit frumpy um planning to leave her husband unsure of her life and so those movies that have come before really do kind of resonate with this time of our life where we go okay so is this all it's cracked up to be and yet there's a part of us and we are that generation of women you and I were similar age similar vintage that go no I've got freaking 40 years ahead of me I'm not dead yet and my life is worth living and it's going to be amazing and I feel sexy and I know what makes me feel good and I know how to ask for that and stuff so I feel like if guys could listen to our podcast today they would be aware that we're all growing evolving humans and there is this time in a woman's life that yeah the hormones peak the questions but if they just come for the ride and be open-minded and generous with their time to really get to understand what's going on with our bodies that affects the way we think, then I think relationships at midlife would be a bit more solid. Oh my God, Tracy, I think you've, Tracy, I think you've hit that on the nail on the head there. And I think that's so important. And, it, and really interestingly, actually, I was, I was on um, Instagram yesterday and I've got a couple of people, a couple of guys that follow me and, and um, I'm not sure you have. Yeah, because look at you, you're freaking hot. <laughs> you're a hottie. <laughs> and I've, so I've got this a couple of guys and one of them I was having a nice conversation with yesterday and he was just talking about that he's just de- joined a dating site but he was talking about how the perimenopause had had um, a massive Im- impact on his breakup with his previous girlfriend and he said and although he tried very hard to understand he found it very difficult to understand and he didn't really know what to do so I actually think that guys just really want to help a lot of the time but they just don't know how to and there I suppose there it's about us being able to ask for what we need to be able to kind of you know like with love and also um, have boundaries but also for them to know about what it is that we're going through so if we don't fucking know about it you know yeah, when we're exactly <laughs> how are they meant to and, and then it's just the fallout because the whole thing of me- menopause it's it's got a very systemic effect on everybody you know I go into workplaces and do menopause awareness sessions and it's the guys quite often that come up at the end and say gosh thank you so much I can now recognize 
what's happening with my wife or, or I had no idea that this is what women went through. So I just think there's some, you know, there's, it's very interesting that there, I, I think there's a big gap there for the knowledge for men. I know women are getting much better now. There's more knowledge around for us, but I still think there's a big gap for the guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. And it's not all the guys fault when they don't understand it because we don't understand it for the first couple of years. You know, those first couple of years of symptoms and you, it sounds kind of similar for us. Stuff started to happen, but not once did I think, oh, this is perimenopause because A, I didn't know the word and B, I hadn't been told what, what to expect. So I remember a few things that happened between my husband and I that were horrendous you know, bad conversations around things that could have easily been fixed, but it escalated to a place where it should never have escalated. And I can hand on heart say that it was my perimenopause symptoms around anxiety, um, you know, slight kind of depression and not hallucination, but I started having these stupid conversations in my head about things that weren't real. <laughs> And it affected, you know, my relationship with my husband for a couple of years. I can now say that after talking with you, I recognize that moment. And it's, and it's almost heartbreaking to know that a lot of people are going through that. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, I think for me and my marriage, it was probably not just perimenopause, but perimenopause made my, my marriage, um, it, it brought it to a head, even though I don't think it was right. But I think for a lot of people, if they can get through this transition, work with their husband and their husband supports them, then, you know, the, then there's, there's yeah. the other yeah. side of that and, and you can come out of it stronger as well. And I do know a few of my clients who, who've done that. But you talked there about having these thoughts. I was talking to another lady the other day when I went to look at, um, she's an artist friend of ours. And she was saying that she had very dark thoughts, you know, almost like suicidal thoughts sometimes and very <laughs> dark, horrible thoughts that she'd never had before. And nobody tells you about those either. And that's no. so that's just not nice to have that kind of thing going and when on. you're an optimistic upbeat positive person and that happens to you it completely freaks you out because <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. not it's like one of the things that my clients say to me is that they feel like they're like a shadow of them their former self they just feel like they're not themselves like not like they used to be and they've lost themselves somewhere that's yeah just that's just so sad but luckily as well it is sad but i think it is i feel with menopause and the menopause transition and perimenopause especially that it's a time for us to re-emerge in, yeah. in a way that we are stronger and more vibrant and know what we want and excited and more joyful but it's but it's almost like you've got to go into it and accept it and acknowledge it and deal with it and then come out stronger yeah the other side. yeah yeah, and that's obviously what you're doing to help other women, right? So, and I think obviously it, it helps that we actually have experienced it. So when they talk about what's happening to them and they really want some insights, you can totally, you can share that with them. You can tell them, yeah, this is exactly what's happening. And now this is where we want to go with that. You know, I think it's yeah, cool. Hey, one of the... Yeah. yeah go. Sorry, Tracy. Go. One of the things that you mentioned about working about uh, with women in the workplace, I'm really, really interested in that. And it is a question that's come up. So in New Zealand, we're not quite as far ahead as the UK in uh, opening up the conversation around 
midlife woman working in say corporate environments and getting the support that they need when they're dealing with menopause symptoms like I'm hearing a lot of really good stuff in the UK but that's not as big here in New Zealand so you're obviously doing some work in that space now can you share with me yeah you just touched a little bit on some of the really cool things that's happening from taking those workshops can you share a little bit more about some of the things that you're seeing and hearing when you take the workshops in the workplace yeah I, I can of course um it, basically I've noticed that since in COVID I was just building kind of um momentum with that going into workplaces just before COVID hit and then when COVID hit menopause went out the window again because it wasn't as important and also people were at home but just lately in the last few months I'm getting many more inquiries and I've got some bookings coming up and, and menopause I do a couple of different ones like I do a menopause awareness session which is like a lunch and learn session so it's just talking about how to recognize the symptoms so that you know and they encourage and in all of these workshops I encourage men and women to come um, just to recognize the symptoms what you can do like simple workplace adjustments how you can um, recognize if you know so you can have sensitive conversations and then going further than that there's things like I do manager trainings line manager trainings which are a bit of a longer session but you have kind of like real life scenarios and get people to work together in as a couple to kind of have those conversations you know if you think somebody's in, in menopause because I think what's really important about this is that women are working so hard to build up a career and they've had children so they've already got to deal with having time off for children but they come back and then they get hit with perimenopause and then be because we live in such an ageist society is that unless there's like a policy in order or people are talking about it in workplaces which most workplaces they are not um you women are leaving their jobs because they don't want to talk about the fact that they're in menopause because then they're perceived to be old and you know there's the whole the whole ageism and menopause is completely intertwined and actually that's where we need to start um you know having conversations openly so it's not a big deal so that women are not having to say tell you know tell lies i suppose when they're having time off and can be honest and say look i just i'm going through this this is what's happening i've got brain fog and also things like performance um should not that should obviously i'm losing i've got my um you know like a bit of brain fog but this is just what happens sometimes so um you're not the first use. put it that yeah. way <laughs> we are genuine here yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely but when people are getting you know performance reviews and they are being um told that they're not performing well at the end of their year review there should be stuff in place that so that they are not penalized for that and and I've had women in the audience because when I used to go in and do them live I remember going into this one big council in this huge auditorium when I was talking and there was like about two or three women who were in tears in the audience because basically they had just never seen this and they just it resonated so deeply with them oh my god you know that's what it is i'm not going crazy sort of thing yeah and it's wonderful yeah. and, and it's lovely yeah and it, it's so touching and it's so it opens their eyes and and not just them sitting there by themselves absorbing it they're sitting with their colleagues as someone is sharing no your manager or this lady is not crazy she's not losing 
her shit. She literally is going through a really challenging time and we need to hold on to her because she's got a lot of knowledge, a lot of skills, and we can't afford to let her go. So let's just cut her a bit of slack and give her what she needs to do the job well. Right? That's it, really. Yeah, and it is, and it yeah. is as simple as that. It's, it's just, it is like cutting her a bit of slack is brilliant. Just have a bit of empathy, be kind. And then also, it, it's a win-win situation, really, because if you can be kind and empathetic and put in place some simple workplace adjustments for these women, they are going to stay longer. You will retain your talent and you will not have all the cost of recruitment, which costs a fortune. And actually, um, tribunals in the UK, especially... Mm doubled in covid of people of women taking um organizations to court because of um discrimination yes we know <laughs> we've heard <laughs> we've heard all the way over here as well <laughs> hey um i liken um staying sexy to a little bit of self-care so laura would you mind sharing with us how do you stay sexy or what is your go-to self-care oh nice question well, my, I love exercise, Tracy. I love keeping my body in shape. I love running and I do um, hit classes and um, I, I kind of like the high energy stuff. So I've cycled, I went 20 kilometer cycle yesterday and I do like body combat and stuff. And so if my yeah. body feels good in my clothes and when I'm kind of naked and I feel, yeah. I actually looked in the mirror this morning and I feel probably in as good a shape as I've ever been at the moment. Cause I've got, I've always been really tiny, but I've got slightly more curves because of yeah. I'm slightly. So I'm really happy with the way I look and, and that makes me feel sexy. I like to be, yeah. sort of, I like to feel a certain way in clothes and then I eat healthily. I, I, most of the time I've got, you know, I eat nutritiously and um, I meditate a lot. Meditation has been my saviour in the last couple of years, actually. Yeah. Meditation is really powerful for me. And that gives yeah. me acceptance. Yeah. That helps me with my um, my body, my body, well, my acceptance of my whole being. Oh, I love and that. I, and yeah. I think for me, one of the things that I find most sexy in, in other people, and so therefore I want to um, build this in myself, is to just be confident with in the person that I am. I think confidence exudes sexiness to me. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's just someone that has that twinkle in their eye and a little bit of energy and spark. And then you can look past sort of, you know, the the, the physical factors because you can sort of see their, their energy and their life, you know, kind yeah. of exude yeah. out of them. I, I find that really sexy too. I, I mean, yeah, when you see someone's face just light up, for me, that that's really sexy. <laughs> it's yeah, just, same. you know, they've, about, they've got it's, that. It's in. kind of like, it's like comes from inside, doesn't it? And I think that's yeah. what I've been really working on the last few years. It's like helping to live from the inside out rather than yeah. the outside in. 100%. Yeah, I hear you. Um, can you recommend to our listeners and viewers a book that has really made you go, well, that was amazing. I'd like to tell someone about that. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I certainly can. Last year when I was going through my um, separation or even before that, last year I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Have you read it? Yeah, I have read it. We've had that recommendation before, so it's definitely popular. And um, if you are just joining the podcast recently and you haven't heard about Untamed by Glennon Doyle, we recommend it. <laughs> um, 
I just and I tell you what I love about it. I, I find that one of the things it's it's about making peace with ourselves and our bodies, and it's about learning to trust ourselves, to set boundaries, to honour everything that we feel and um, and our heartbreak, and unleash our truest and wildest instincts. Ah, I love it. I love that. And I yes. think, can I, if, as you've been recommended that one, can I give one more then? One more. Yes, please. Which please is, do. Um, the Four Agreements. Have you okay. Read the Four Agreements? I have not read I, The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements is a fantastic book. It's it's by, oh God, because I haven't, that's not the one. It's by, I think it's by, it's based on Toltec wisdom. And it's the four things that you should live by in life. Very simple, very, very powerful. And I try and live my life by those four agreements. I'm going to look it up. Oh, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah, sounds amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. And um, what do I say? I, I used to speak French. Um, uh, merci beaucoup. <laughs> that was pretty basic. Well, mine's still pretty basic, but um, yeah. uh, thank you so much. And um, au revoir. And it was au revoir. Oh, yeah. Au revoir, darling. Au revoir. Yeah. Bisous, which is kisses. Yeah, bisous. <laughs> I am loving these conversations with women from all over the world. I've learned so much and I want to keep learning so that I can share with you to help you navigate your way through this time of our life, to feel well, to feel good, empowered and sexy. I have testimonies every day from women that have found some comfort in the episodes and so I'm putting it out there that if you are loving the content and it's helping you, please consider subscribing monthly or even donating. This podcast is not a paid gig and I am doing it purely out of passion. I'm obviously not Joe Rogan who sold his podcast for $72 million. I'm a woman like you exploring how to live a long and healthy life.